Thanks so much for joining us for the New Life Brisbane podcast. New Life Church is one family, many churches, and we exist to simply see more people more like Jesus by planning and leading thriving local churches. You've joined us for Rhythms, a series exploring the essence of Christian life, asking, who am I becoming? It's about personal formation, shaping our lives with Christian values, moving beyond the mere thoughts about God to practical habits and disciplines that mirror Jesus. These are our Rhythms. We pray this message is a blessing. start of this new year, 2024, we are really expectant at what God will will do in our midst. And what I love about the turn of a new year is that with each new year that comes, you usually have two different people. You have the goal setters and the goal haters. And and there's a a high chance that you would fit into one of these categories. You live in in kind of um, Brisbane City and you're like, don't put me in a binary, don't put me in a box. I am. You're going to fit into one of these two things. Goal setters, goal haters. My goal setters, these are the people who as soon as midnight, as soon as 2023 ends, they're like, it's a new me. They're like, in health, caring for myself, new study, putting me first in front of everyone else this year, out, toxic relationships those family members that drain my psyche out and in, coming in will be all these beautiful, beautiful things. This is my year. And some of you, you're laughing at me, but it's you. You're a goal setter. The other half of you, you're goal haters. There's no in between. You must know that. There is no in between. There is only binaries. Yes, we live in post-modernity. Yes, there is subject. No, no, no. Let's go, let's go pre-modernity here. There is in and out, there is goal setters, goal haters. The goal haters. I was sitting at a local coffee shop, told you so. It's like a coffee shop at North Lakes. It's kind of, it's it's the best we're dealing with in Brisbane, in like North Brisbane. It's actually pretty good. I'm sitting there, I've got my diary, I'm just journaling. I'm having some time with the Lord. And I'm journaling there and I've got this subtitle, this title, and I'm like going deep into this reflective inner journey. Like the Henry Nouwen, those of you who know me, Henry Nouwen is my boy. He's like a Catholic dude who's awesome. Henry Nouwen's my guy, I'm sitting there, I've just read my devotional from Henry Nouwen, and I'm sitting down, and I'm literally sitting, writing, and some guy comes over and goes, oh, gonna change the world this year, are you, mate? And then cruises on, and I'm like, you're a goal hater, like, why do you hate me? Goal setters, goal haters, you do fit into one of those boxes, I wonder now, whether it's a prophetic word, that you would go away and lean into which one of those you are. Goal setters, goal haters. And you know, we can joke about these things. We're like, yeah, that's pretty funny, great opening illustration to your, to your little sermon, Dylan. But the reality is, is that we all do actually have a calendar. We are all subject to this thing which we call the calendar. Those of us who are parents, we live our life centered around the calendar known as our children. Right? It's like, and, and, I, and I used to think that it would kind of end when my kid got about five, but it just, it just amps up every year. It's like, my life must be centered more and more and more and more around you. For those of you who are kind of business-driven, your calendar centers around that next thing that you're chasing, that next business deal that you're trying to pursue. Those of you who are uni students, which is a lot of you here, some of you are just are driven around the entertainment. You are waiting for that next Netflix series to come out. And your whole calendar clock is like, you're like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna sleep for a while here so that I have enough energy to binge this for 36 hours straight. But we all find ourselves circulating around the calendar. And the point that we wanna make in our rhythm series is this, that, you, that everything in your life is forming you. Whether you're cognizant of it or not, you are getting formed in a certain way. Something is forming you. Every rhythm, every habit, every practice. 
they all for better or for worse are going to form you into something in your life. If you spend four years doing a degree, you are getting formed in that which you are learning. If you spend a year doing pre-marriage counseling, leaning into your marriage, you are hopefully getting, getting formed into being a better future spouse. If you're a mum and you're going to parenting classes and, and all these things, and a, and a dad going to parenting classes, you are getting formed, hopefully, into be the best parent you can be. And rather than any kind of New Year's goals, I want to start the year and ask you this. What is your resolution for how you would be formed more in the ways of Jesus Christ? It's a good question that we can ask. We are the people that get saved by the blood of the Lamb, Jesus. It's the gospel. We are, those who, who, we are the redeemed who say, you know what? God has loved me so much. Jesus has loved me so much. And now I follow him with my whole life. The journey from that point, though, is to make conscious decisions each and every day. How will I orientate my life around the ways and the works and the words of Jesus? And that's really our series on rhythms. Richard Foster, one of my favorite authors, says this. He says, The discovery of God lies in the daily and in the ordinary, not in the spectacular, not in the heroic. If we cannot find God in the routines of home and shop, then we will not find him at all. And I want to present to you something that we, we probably all know well, being Christians, many of us in 2024, and it's this. Your church life will not be enough to ground you in Jesus Christ. Like Christendom, it's a word, gone, obliterated. If what you're going to lean on at the start of 2024 is some level of cultural Christianity by which you get kind of, you get swelled up in this church thing and that in and of itself is enough, it's not going to be that way. Some faces are worrying me. It's like, who's this random guy? By the way, I'm Dylan. Alex is on holidays. That's why I'm here. Come next week and Al will be back. <laughs> but the point being is that everything in our life forms us. But we must make a conscious decision and inner resolution every day to be formed in the ways of Jesus. So as a church community, what we want to do and what we've done for the past few years at New Life is that we have started the year in a series which we've titled Rhythms. We want to consecrate ourselves afresh. We want to look at the ways in which the elements, the streams of God's river, of his presence and his grace, that we can kind of put in our lives and jump in these tracks so that we would be positioned in the best way possible to behold him. Because we know this, that what we behold, we become. And if we're beholding religion without Jesus, we become religious like a Pharisee. And you know what the testimony of the Pharisee is? That their heart, that the words that they say are like Jesus, but their hearts are far from him. If we don't form within ourselves a beautiful, deep relationship where Jesus is our all in all, he is our prize. It is not a pulpit, it is not a service, it is not a ministry, it is Jesus then we are well positioned to set our lives in a good trajectory for 2024. And so this is the rhythm series that we are going through. And with this, I want to have an invitation for us to do this. In this teaching series, would you lean in with us? Lean in. Dig in. Some of these things you're going to know about, some of these practices that we're going to look at, others might be quite new for you, or they'll be maybe a bit more nuanced or a bit different. And my invitation would be to lean into this teaching series Start 2024, not just hearing some guy up the front or some girl up the front speaking, but lean into what God wants to form inside of you. Because he is the master potter. You are the clay. 
The invitation at 2024 is that you would position yourself in front of him and let him take off those weird, rough edges and that you would be formed into who he wants you to become. But friends, the first thing is that, the second thing though, is that my invitation is not that you would just lean in. My invitation, synonymous with the leaning in, would that you would be able to lean back, that you would lean into the arms of a father who loves you. Because again, the truth of the gospel is that we did not work our way into anything. We're not just like, great, here at New Life, we, we are very passionately gospel-centered people, which means this, we're not the ones who go, oh, I've got to try and be a good Christian, come to church, do the right stuff. No, we're the people who come, we position ourselves under Jesus Christ. We let his words speak life over us. We let his affirmation speak over us. And from that place, we go, you know what? This year, I want to get formed in the ways of Jesus. Amen? Amen. That's going to be our resolve this year, is in our rhythm series. So what our rhythm series is not, it is not a fast track to religiosity or religious life where we become kind of the best version of ourselves that we become. It's the inverse It's something where we can hold a mirror up and say, Lord, is there anything in my life that I need to just kind of position myself in a different way? Not with shame, not with hurt, not with condemnation. Because God's desire is is desire, not sacrifice. Mercy, not sacrifice. Mercy is the place where we start any inner resolution. So don't be a goal setter, don't be a goal hater. Just be someone this year, maybe, who wants to be formed in the ways of Jesus. So that's what I want us to say. So therefore, we, that we can order our days and our moments to open up to the streams of living water that God would want to rush into our hearts this year. So with that, let's start by praying and then we'll dig in. Let's pray. Well, God, we come to this moment and many of us have come from a, a few weeks of busy family gatherings and and, and maybe some complex family things, and we've come from maybe 2023 wasn't the year that we wanted. It wasn't the year that we thought we were going to have. But with that, Lord, we love the promise of your word that your mercies are new every day. We love, Lord, that as you call Jesus your beloved son, you call us your beloved sons and daughters as well. And so, Lord, from it, it's from that place that we would pray in line with the psalmist in Psalm 119, whose prayer is simply this, Open our eyes so that we may behold wondrous things from your law, from your word, Lord. Spirit of wisdom and revelation, we invite you to make Jesus beautiful and delightful to us. Move us, Lord, from inner consecration of mere religious activities, but move us into the very heart of God so that we would know right now, Lord, that you are happy, that better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. And that us being here, listening to your word, being delivered by a very flawed and incomplete human, but one that is loved by you nonetheless, would be a powerful moment of alignment as we start 2024. And so, Holy Spirit, we invite you. We don't move on. We invite you to come and take residence in this place. We tell anything of the enemy to be silent in this moment. And we say, Holy Spirit, come and have your way. We're excited to encounter you today, Lord. And all God's people said, amen, amen. It's January, Dylan, sweating. Haven't sweated in this building for a while, but here I am. So friends, where are we up to? Where am I up to? Hey, you can be rusty as you go into your work year. So can I, all right? Page one, there we go. 
page two. Let's go. All right, so this year, what we're going to look at is rhythms. And what I did, I don't know about you, what you think when we talk about um, biblical meditation, which is going to be our, our kind of our thing for today. It's our first rhythm, biblical meditation. I've got a photo up here. I got a bit like nerdy, a bit dorky, and I went into AI and I was like, spit, spit me out a photo for an inner city Brisbane church on what biblical meditation would be to most people. And this is what it came up with. It's like a psychedelic Jesus from Woodford Folk Festival. You haven't heard of Woodford Folk Festival? Anyway, this is what it came up. And I want you to look a little bit deeper, not just at psychedelic Jesus. I want you to look at his fingers. Like, I don't know, like, I've read the scriptures where there was something that went through his, his wrist, but, like, the fingers is interesting. It's like a trend. Anyway, I'm going to keep going. Biblical meditation is what we're going to be looking at today. And the psalmist opens up, as James Allen did in the, in the scripture meditation, with Psalm 1, the first psalm of the Bible. And I want to encourage you, if you've got your Bible, can you go there with me now? Psalm 1. And I want to read it out over us. It says this. It said, Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked, or stand in the way that sinners take, or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of God. Can you say delight? Delight is in the law of God. And who meditates on his law day and night. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water. The Bible would also talk about this as streams of living water. That's the imagery. Living water. Which yields its fruit in season. And whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. And then the psalmist flips over in verse 4 and says this. Not so are the wicked. There's a contrast going on here. The righteous live by the words and works of God. They're like a a tree that's planted by streams that continue to refresh it. Then the psalmist goes over in verse 4 and says, Not so are the wicked. They are like chaff that the wind blows away. Therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. And verse 6 brings it back and gives us a peering into the eye of God. And it says this, For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked leads to destruction. And the central point here is what I think is this, that what you ground yourself on and your life on at the beginning of 2024 will be one of the most important things that will set the trajectory around your year. A.W. Tozer says this, the, the, the thing that we think about God is the most important thing about us. What we perceive God to be like, who we perceive God to be, how we perceive, perceive ourselves to be found under God is the key to tracking on in this Christian life in a way that is meaningful. The psalmist goes on in Psalm 119, and the psalmist extends and says this, Blessed are those whose ways are blameless, who walk according to the law of the Lord. Blessed are those who keep his statutes and seek him with all their heart. They do no wrong, but they follow his ways. Verse 4 says, You have laid down precepts that are to be fully obeyed not partially obeyed, fully obeyed. Oh, that my ways were steadfast in obeying your decrees. Then I would not be put to shame when I consider all your commands. I will praise you with an upright heart as I learn your righteous laws. I will obey your decrees. Do not utterly forsake me. And here in these two Psalms is really what I I want our teaching text to be for today, is Psalm 1 and Psalm 119. Because I think that in these two Psalms, We learn about biblical meditation. We learn about the what. We learn about what is it? 
What is it to meditate biblically on the nature, character, and words of God? We learn about the why. It's like, why would you do this? There's plenty of good things that aren't necessarily God things. Why would we actually give our life to do this? And the third thing that I want to end our time with is just one practical way that we can do this. And so point one is the what. So what is biblical meditation? I want to start not with what it is, but it's probably helpful to start with what it's not. What it's not is this. It is not boring and brand reading of a book that we, that we believe has lost any life. That's what, not what biblical meditation is. It's important that we start the year approaching the scriptures right. Now, I don't know what your new year is, your, your resolutions have looked like in your Christian walk, but for me, usually every year I'm like, you know what, I'm going to do the Bible in a year. I'm going to start at Genesis. And then I get to Leviticus and I hate my life. <laughs> Unless you're Jimmy Williams and you're like, Leviticus? <laughs> like the Torah, like, which is a beautiful thing about Jimmy. We love Jimmy. But often we start in this way. And we have this inner resolve that, we're gonna, that the Word of God is going to be so exciting for us and that by just simply reading it and we're going to be so excited. And then we get to Leviticus and it's like, ah, oh, this is that weird passage where it's like sacrifice, lambs, a lot of blood, weird festivals and weird buildings and cubits. It's like the word cubits comes up every five sentences. You're like, a cubit? Can we, can we say centimeter? Is there like the Bunnings translation? Like what about, what about centimeters or millimeters? But cubits. And we, we grind through kind of the arc and we're like, yes, 100 cubits or whatever it was, great. But then it becomes harder and harder and harder. And friends, I want to present something to you that it's probably going to have a lived experience that you resonate with. And it's this. How have your Bible plans gone every other year when you get to that thing? How does it go just pulling up your bootstraps and going, I'm just going to grind in? It's, it's like the Christian walk doesn't work that way. I mean, we can try and try and try to just go, yeah, it's all God's word. Like, we all know the reality. We all know that it's God's word. But the question I want to orientate our hearts in is this. Do you delight in the law of God? And therefore, how can we position ourselves to actually delight in the law of God? Because anything outside of that is probably not what God's after. Because he desires mercy, not sacrifice. It's not about the act. It's about the delight. Now, before I get any emails, what I'm not saying is this. I'm not saying that it's not worth reading the weird scriptures about cubits. I went to Bible college. I love that stuff. What I am saying is that when we talk about biblical meditation, I want us to stretch our thoughts about what can be possible with the Word of God. How can it be possible that we would actually have our whole lives transformed by the Word of God? That everything that we do would lead to an encounter with God rather than just like, I'm going to read Genesis, and then I'm going to just not like my life till I get to Acts and the Holy Spirit. And then we're like, we're tongue speakers. Yes! How do we like the in-between? That's what biblical meditation is not. And the reason I lean into that point is because I have been doing this Christian thing a while now. I've been in pastoral ministry for 10 years. I've started the journey with a lot of people who were devout followers of God, who read their Bible probably more than you do, who used to read commentaries as devotionals. It's like, you know those people? It's like, I've got a big Tyndale commentary. It's like, great. <laughs> but years on, they lost their delight. And you don't want to lose your delight for God at the beginning of 2024. You want to cultivate a firm belief in the inerrancy and authority of Scripture and the way that it can carry your heart in every hard season. But you also want to delight in it. And that's why the psalmist is so amazing. 
He says in Psalm 1, Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers. But verse 2, but whose? Delight. It's all about delight. He's saying this, it's not enough. You can spend life doing the good Christian stuff over here, but you need to delight in God, whose delight is in the law of God. Like, are you excited about the scriptures this year to meditate on the word of God so that your heart would be filled? You know, we recently, at New Life Morton, we've got a few people who are on their journey of meeting Jesus. And one of these ladies the other week came up to me and was like, where do I start reading the Bible? And I did the good thing and I said, start reading John's gospel. Just go through John's gospel, explore that thing. And the questions, she's delighting in the law of God. You know, I read that and I'm like, what's the exegetical meaning here? And She's reading it and there's this level of delight because the Spirit of God is illuminating something fresh. The psalmist's point is this, the way to fight the way that sinners take is to delight in the law of God. And how do you delight in it? By meditating on that law day and night. Meditating on that law day and night. Meditation is a devotional reading of Scripture with the ultimate goal of getting close to the Trinity, learning about Father, Son, Holy Spirit, leaning into Trinitarian experience of God. Because friends, the Trinity is not just a doctrine. My Bible college brain is going, that's modalism, Dylan. It's like kicking back in. The Trinity is to be experienced. Like when's the last time that you went, you know what, I have such a profound encounter with the Spirit of God. That through the Scriptures, the Spirit of God just was known to me. When's the last time that you sat down and you went, you know what, I read this book and I came away with the beautiful sense that God the Father calls me his beloved child. When's the last time that you went, you know what, man, the Gospels are awesome because every time I read them and every time I meditate on those Scriptures, it's like Jesus walks into the very room that I'm in and I encounter him and his love, and his grace, and his mercy. Meditation, the sole purpose, is you to lean into the experiential nature of the Trinity. Because again, friends, the Trinity is not just a doctrine to be worked out. Textbooks do that. And again, I'm, I, I love that. Like, I'd probably have a house if I didn't buy so many theology books over the year, right? I love that. But friends, you can't keep God and I want to be careful because the, the Word of God, I, I anchor everything on this. But it must lead to an experience of God as well. Otherwise, what are we doing? So we lean into the experience of the Trinity. Richard Foster says this. I love this. He says, Biblical meditation is the ability to hear God's voice and obey His Word. And here at New Life, we are Word people. We love the Word of God. Christian meditation allows for a precious space in time for a meeting between God, the Trinity, the lover of our souls, and we, the beloved. Are you getting the difference that I'm trying to distinguish there? It's not just about leaving it here. It's about bringing that experience into our life. We can meet with God in ever-growing familiarity and intimacy, not because of any of our special abilities, but simply because we come willing to enter into a listening silence with God. It is a creation of space, emotionally and spiritually. What's he saying there? He's saying there's an invitation for your heart to become raw and exposed in front of God. 
that your emotions are meant to be tilled. But the mystics knew this very well. For them, the journey was to actually move from the head to the heart, that God would take you on a journey, that it would always be anchored in the scriptures, but you would have this experience where you would learn what it is to be naked in front of God and to hear his voice in that moment say, I love you. Richard Foster goes on. In our often hectic and hurried world, allowing the creator of the universe to meet with us as he met Moses, face to face, as a friend. Friendship with God is at the heart of biblical meditation. It is where the destination lands, is to be friends with God. And I don't know about you, but sometimes our experience of life can make it hard for us to do that. But if you grew up in Sunday school, there was that song that we sung, What a Friend We Have in Jesus. And I sing this to my kids quite often. And I see my little boy Jonah, his, his face just light up. Because the world hasn't gotten to Jonah yet, in a sense, where he hasn't projected his image of people onto God. And friends, what a friend we have in Jesus. So that we can take everything to the Lord in prayer. And listen to the scriptures. And have the scriptures build in our framework who God is and what he's done for us in Jesus. That's my first point. Everything with your relationship with God starts as this, you knowing that you are his beloved child. And, I, and I've spent time with people where, where I've prayed for people and, and I, I just, I've looked them in the eye and I've said, you know you're loved by God? And, and, and sometimes people will just look away. And if that's a hard thing for you to hear, I want to just encourage you. Like, like if nothing else, you are loved by God. Like if you're in a season where you're like, I don't know whether I can keep doing this faith thing or Jesus or church, I just want you to know you are loved by God. You are his child. In you, he is well pleased to call you son and daughter. So much that he sent Jesus to the cross. That is the Christian gospel. That the separation, that sin, what that had done in our lives in Genesis 3 where Adam and Eve made that silly thing and it just inherited, it affected our whole humanity. The call of the, and I want you to hear me on this for those of you who don't yet know Jesus. The Christian message is that God loved you so much that he sent his son so that you would respond and put your faith in Jesus. And then the word of God would continue to be a revelation, an ongoing soundtrack where you would go back to it and you would be reminded of, yes, how sinful, Romans 3.23, that we have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But at least equal to that, how much you are loved and cared for by him. That's why this is not some type of religious activity. It is a real centering on Jesus. Point number two. So that's the why. Sorry, that's the, the what. Point number two is the why. Why do we meditate on Scripture? We meditate on Scripture because it is essential to Christian living. In Romans 8, 5, Paul says this. He says, Those who live according to the flesh have set their minds on what the flesh desires. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. What you set your mind on matters, and what you set your mind on will become a self-fulfilling prophecy in your life. The psalmist goes on, verse 3, says that people, that that person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in seasons, and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. The reason that we practice biblical meditation is that we would anchor our whole lives on God, so that in every season we would know who God is, that we would have an experience of the Trinity 
as evangelicals, we would, be tr- we would be distinctly Trinitarian in that sense, and that we would lean in and know who God is. And what happens in meditation is that we create the emotional and the spiritual space, like Richard Foster says, which allows Christ to construct in us an inner sanctuary of the heart. That's the why. What God's doing through biblical meditation as we meditate on the scriptures, as we meditate on the character of God, is that we are building within our hearts an inner sanctuary, which becomes healthy, which becomes tilled, which becomes clean, which becomes soft. Because the reality in the Christian life is this, you can either, you become like wine, right? You can either become like vinegar or become like a nice aged wine. Biblical meditation continues. It's It's a form of sanctification. It continues to structure our lives around God. And it's important that we spend that time meditating on the Word of God because there's only so many things that external experiences can do to you. At some stage, you need to till the soil of your own heart. Like, as a new Christian, I got saved in a movement which was the power of God was out of control all the time. The Spirit, the presence of God, whoo! It's like, it was jumping Dylan back in those days, man. It was awesome. But I got so good at learning how to move in the power of the Spirit that I disconnected building my inner sanctuary in God. And we could unpack theologically why I think that is. It sounds a little bit weird to begin with, but... The point being this, is that there came a hard season where I realized I must return to my inner. I must return to my inner formation to build my life again on the rock that is the presence, power, and work of God revealed through the scriptures of God. That's why we do biblical meditation. And the last thing, uh, sorry. um, Further on in, in the scriptures, the psalmist also says this line, that as the deer pants for the water, so my soul longs after thee. The central idea being here that the more that you desire God and seek to reach out to God and seek to conform your life around the scriptures and the word of God, the more that your soul will desire more of God by that means. New Christians sometimes struggle with this sense of like, how do I just, how do I read this book? How do I understand it? Well, the more you meditate on it, the more that God will open up your eyes and you will fall more and more in love with that God. Once we begin to taste of the eternal life that God has given us through His Son, Jesus Christ, we begin to be hooked on how good it is to remind ourselves of the love of God revealed to us through Christ Jesus. And the third thing that I want to look at is, and lastly, is the how. I want to look at what does it mean to, what does it actually look like to practice biblical meditation? There's a million and one kind of strategies that have gone through the ages, going back to early century desert fathers, desert mothers, blah, blah, blah. But before we get there, I want to make one distinct point. It's this, that before you do anything, the greatest art of how we can connect with God in the Christian life is learning how to still our hearts in an environment, in a culture where we are, we are hurried, we are hustled along, And it's very hard for us to take time away with God. A mentor of mine used to say this. He said, Dylan, before you pray, you must pray. Before you read the scriptures, you must read the scriptures. And what my mentor meant by this was that sometimes it takes a while. You can't just turn it on. You need to spend time contemplating God, emptying your mind of all that which is not God. And so some of the ways that practically it looks like that I do this these days days, is I I will get a scripture and I will just read that scripture over and over again, and I will take a word from that scripture, 
which a man by the name of Thomas Merton called Centering Prayer. And I will take one word from that scripture and I will just repeat that word as I contemplate God. And it will, it will center my whole life. And then a helpful other thing that I've done is, is this scripture visualization. What I'll do too is I might read I might read something, it might be something from the Gospels where Jesus encounters people and I'll read it out a few times and then I'll imagine that I'm there with Jesus myself and I'll imagine that he's walking over to me and welcoming me and wanting to hear my story. And I find this to be an incredibly grounding experience when I practice biblical meditation. One of the other ways though that I I think a lot of us would know of already but one that I want to really just look into in our last four minutes is Lectio Divina. And most of us would know that there's that great app. Um, But I want to explain a bit quickly what Lectio Divina is. Lectio Divina, which is called divine reading or or present-centered reading. It was introduced in the 6th centuries by St. Benedict and his followers. And what it was basically is, is it's a form of meditative reading of Scripture and prayer, which is made up of several steps that we can kind of follow to meditate on God to work our way through, to draw out God's message, both in the Scriptures and for us today. There's a few steps here that I want to briefly go through, and then I want to do a bit of praying. Step number one is silence. How do you start Lectio Divina? Number one, be silent. We're good at talking a lot. We struggle with silence. But the invitation here is to be silent. Take time to be silent. Sometimes it might be helpful for you to find a place near a a, a water, near a stream of water. It might be, if you're a parent, it might be just like getting someone to look after your kids and just going to the office, locking that door, making yourself a cup of coffee, and just sitting and letting the day just go. Number one, silence. Number two is to read, or what's called Lectio. What you can do here is you read a short passage of Scripture, and you read it aloud several times. It might be Psalm 1, blessed is blah, blah, blah. Read Psalm 1 and you read it aloud several times. And what you're doing there is you're allowing that scripture to sink deeply into your heart and your soul. You're not reading it to learn anything per se. You're not reading it to pick up on different theological points, although you'll get there. You're reading it to just let the scripture wash over you. That's number two, lectio. Number three is meditate or meditatio. Meditation, it's like chewing. It's like you, you've, you've heard the scripture being read out. Now you're going to take that scripture and you're going to feast on it. And you're going to do that in a way that is slow and thorough and centered on God. And sometimes what I do here is I, I write notes to myself about what I see in that scripture. Because again, we believe that the Spirit of God illuminates the Word of God, pointing everything back to Jesus. And some, I've had profound experiences when I've when I've asked myself these questions, what do these words from God say? What do they say in their original context? But also, what is God saying to me right now through this text? That's meditation. The third one is prayer. What you then do is you pray using the passage as an outline for your prayer. Read the passage phrase by phrase. And what I do is I respond to God after each point of that phrase. And I might utter just a very short prayer to just respond to what I've read there. And the last thing is contemplation, or contemplatio. This is where we wait in stillness once more. We we become silent again before God. And we bring to mind any areas of our life that we need to shape more closely 
This is the work of sanctification from the Spirit of God and form it more, form ourselves more into the way of Jesus. There's many other ways. You can read the lectionary, you can soap, scripture, observation, application, prayer, many, many different things. This is one helpful thing that I've found. But friends, as I finish up now and as the band comes up, all this is beautiful. But the chief end to all of this is one thing, that you would experience God and then you would live it out that you would go out into your world and you would take with you the gospel of Jesus, the good news of who Jesus is, of what he's done, and that these experiences would lead you and biblical meditation would lead you to be formed more into the ways of Jesus and it would become a very real rhythm in your life. So I want to encourage you, if you want to stand right now, we're going to pray. And what I want to do, I just want to invite you now, with every eye closed, every head bowed. I'm just very conscious that we're in a new year, and and some people have heard a lot about this Jesus guy today, and God, and and Scripture. And you may just be asking the question, you're like, this seems good. This person that we talk about, Jesus Christ, is intriguing and seems beautiful. But I don't know him yet. And so briefly, I'd love to, as every eye is closed, I'd love to just put the call out, again, reminding you that as Christians, we believe in what we call the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. We believe in this meta-narrative that in Genesis 3, what happened is this thing called the fall, that Adam and Eve, the first man and first woman fell. But friends, there's two verses in the book of Genesis before Genesis 3, and it's Genesis 1 and 2. And what happens in these scriptures is that Man is made and walks with God in the cool of the evening. And then something very bad happened. And now what's been happening is that ever since that, ever since God sent His Son Jesus to live the life we couldn't live, to die the death that we should have died, what's happened is that there has been an invitation put out to people to come and to know Jesus and get restored once again with God because of what Jesus has done, because of His great love for you. That even in your mess, doesn't matter what you've done, where you've been, where you've come from, all that stuff is very real. It's a real lived experience for you. And God is more than aware of it. But in all that, there's an invitation for you to come to know Jesus. And so I wonder, I want to put the invitation out. If there is anyone in here tonight who you're like, this sounds too good to be true. It sounds beautiful. And I want to take another, I want to take a step forward and know this Jesus. Can I encourage you while every eye is closed and every head is bowed, would you lift your hand now as a response, responding to what Jesus has done? Thank you, brother. Praise God. Is there anyone else in this moment who you are like, this this is not the idea of church and religion that I had, this radical message of grace? Awesome. Let's join in as a community now. Lord, we, we thank you. Lord, we praise you and we thank you for, the, for just that beautiful man, Lord, who in this moment has said, you know what, I wanna, I, wanna, I wanna know you, Jesus. And Lord, we bring to mind what the scriptures say about when we take this step, Jesus, when we respond to the gospel, when we go, yes, you are the son of God, you are who you say you are. Lord, when we repent of our sins and we say, sorry, Lord, there's a party that's thrown in heaven. 
And so Lord, I pray for my brother who just responded to the gospel then, Lord. I pray that you would fill him with the power and presence of your Holy Spirit in this moment. That he would be able to lean more and more into who you are. That he would know in this moment that he is loved by you. That he is your beloved son. That he's found, known and cared for. And Lord, we pray that us as a community at New Life Brisbane, Lord, that we would respond and love our brother well and help him in these next steps. In Jesus' name. The second group of people that I want to pray with or pray for is, again, as every eye is bowed, every, every eye is closed and every head's bowed, is that if at the start of the year you're just like, man, my, my brain is just muddled. Like I have all these resolves that I want to do. I want to lean into Jesus more, but I, there's just something going on here. There's a fuzziness in my, in my brain. Then I'm just like, ah, oh, it's just, it's too much. And you may be right at the edge where you're like, ah, oh, it's, it's make or break for me this year. Or if you're struggling with, with, with maybe even how to reconstruct your, your view of God or church or any of these things. Again, as every eye is closed, I wonder if you just give me a little, little hand raise in this moment. Thank you. Just raise your hand just as a, just, just nothing more than just being present with yourself and with God and with this community. Thank you. And so, Lord, in this moment, we welcome you, Holy Spirit, and we would ask that that spirit of adoption, which allows us to cry out, Abba, Father, and to come back to your heart. Lord, again, that just, would you baptize my friends here, Lord, with love again? Would you show them in this moment, Lord, that there's a new horizon? Lord, with every day, it doesn't matter what's gone be, be before us or behind us. Lord, there's a new horizon set on you. And that, Lord Jesus, you are the author, finisher and perfecter of our faith. And that doesn't matter whatever's happened before, as painful as that might have been, as hard as it is to just keep turning up and fellowshipping sometimes. Jesus, better is one day in your courts. And would you help those of us, Lord, who are hurting to feel loved and safe and secure again? Bless my friends in Jesus' name. And so with that, we're going to finish up now. We're going to continue to worship. But if there's anyone here, if you want prayer for anything, can we invite you? Come up to the front. There's going to be James, Sinead, Dace, Kate, any of us. And we would love to pray with you. Amen. Thanks again for listening to the New Life Podcast. If that stirred something within you or you would like prayer, you can head to church.nu forward slash prayer or contact us through our Instagram or Facebook page. We pray you have a great week. Be blessed.